Hello, and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series produced by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. The first series of Jam Presents takes us back to July 2001, when Fox ran a one-off TV series called Murder in Small Town X, an American reality TV show that we believe went somewhat unnoticed. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of Murder in Small Town X as Jason and I follow the journeys of 10 contestants as they attempt to solve the brutal murder of the Flint family and catch the killer. Oh, and at the same time, try to win 250 grand. In the quiet town of Sunrise, Maine, a killer is on the loose. A reward has been offered to 10 ordinary people. been sent to Sunrise to play the killer's twisted game. Welcome to Sunrise. Now, they must enter the mind of a killer and solve the mystery before they are eliminated one by one. Each episode of Murder in Small Town X is available on YouTube, so if you haven't already, go and watch episode 4 now. In this episode, we witness the murder of Lighter Blodgett, we head to the strip club with Alan and Kristen, and we learn about the Burnt Man. Freak. Start as we normally do. Quick recap. The episode before this, we saw Jimmy Tinker under investigation. He was sneaking about with Mary Elizabeth, the weirdo who wants to be Abby. We saw someone drive Abby's car off the pier. And we also saw investigators go after the mayor, who's a taxidermist. After Kristen and Lindsay both went their separate ways, we saw Kristen return with the killer clue, and Lindsay was the latest investigator to be killed. Lighter was cleared by the murderer, so she's no longer a suspect. So going into this episode, there were 12 suspects and seven investigators remaining. Episode four, mate. I keep wanting to say it every time, and I think I probably have said it every time, but each episode gets better and better. So every episode is better than the episode before it. This episode opens up with some grainy night vision footage of the killer in Lighter's house. She is attacked when making a phone call. Dudley comes in to report it in the middle of the night. He's a bit shook up for a cop, isn't he? So, all right, you're a cop in a small town, you know everybody. And I guess it's a bit of a grisly murder, yeah. but he's panicking and he runs to investigators almost in tears. He hasn't even washed, he hasn't <laughs> even washed his hands. He's driven there as well. <laughs> hasn't even, yeah, he's not the killer though, we've known that. If they still had him as a suspect, I'd be like, no, it's definitely, it's definitely him. There was a disturbance over at Mrs. Blige's home. And uh, I went down there, power was out and uh, it was open, so I go inside so much blood. This is a quick one, you might have not picked up on this. I don't know, it's not a flashback, but what's been happening. Obviously it mentions Thibodeau, and Thibodeau comes out of a shop and slams a sweeper into a wall. It's like, what's that about? That was fantastic. The sweeper just takes it, just slams into the wall. And then carries on sweeping. <laughs> Doesn't move, still sweeping. The next morning we see in HQ, um, lead investigator Gary explaining that enough blood and tissue was found to suggest that despite there being no body, Lighter was murdered in the night. Before we go down the route of the different tracks, we just need to skip ahead a bit to later in the episode. Brian had been chosen by Lindsay uh, to be the next lifeguard in her last will and testament. And we're frequently reminded about how toxic things are between Kristen and the rest of the group, showing all their arguments and stuff like that. Stacy and Kristen are very confrontational, in-your-face people. I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna bust the right in the face if she says it again. So track one, is Angel and Katie. Well, Angel and Katie eventually got chosen, but Light Rose Blodgett, crime scene, go and search and recover evidence. 
track two was the two dollar bills that we mentioned in the last last time we had a chat we said that's got to come back those two dollar bills are so significant and they did and that's my favorite track of all of this so the two dollar bills stamped with grady main found in abby's car and then we've got track three which is the killer clue now we need to discuss that as well because both of us went yeah um, Kristen brought back a dress or or a bag of some sort because she must have been carrying her own dress or her own bag or something of a, her own belongings because when she returned in the last episode with the... I, I didn't even yeah I forgot I even mentioned that yeah she was carrying something in polythene yeah <laughs> and then they're like this is what you found and it's a real yeah, film <laughs> like a wedding dress what <laughs> So she must have had that in a different hand. I'd love to go back over and watch when she carries that through because it definitely looked like she was carrying something <laughs> yeah. in a bag. Well, Gar- Gary's like, uh, she's like, oh, I found this wedding dress. And Gary's like, um, no, no, that's that's not it. That's, you should have found this. <laughs> yeah, go back out, go back out. So track one is the Light of Rose Blodgett crime scene. Light was trying to make a phone call. So Angel, Angel and Katie get sent out to Light of Rose's house. This isn't to be confused. And this confused the hell out of me when I was writing it up that actually Stacey and Jeff are there as well because it's track two. Track two, they're there to Stacey and Jeff. So someone on... goes to, to Light of Roses, but someone's got to talk to Frank. They, they? Yeah, that's right. Stacey and Jeff have to go and talk to Frank Kovic to get the name of the burnt man. So that's why there's crossover at track one. So the actual two people in charge of track one are Angel and Katie. Now it turns out, because Dudley's there explaining it all. Light was trying to make a phone call. There were drag marks to show that the body was dragged out of the house. Angel has some internal monologue, which is amazing. Frank, the reporter, he's everywhere. I don't trust him much, but he's a reporter. He has to be everywhere. <laughs> he's almost fighting with his own words in his head because he's like, well, he's everywhere. I don't trust yeah, him. He's having a conversation with himself. But yeah. he is a reporter, so he would be everywhere. <laughs> Did you see Angel when he's at the house I with didn't. Dudley and Frank's there? Frank's crouched down taking photos. Angel's behind him, pointing at him, like trying to wave him out. You seen that? Brilliant. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that at all. He's like looking at he's like he's like pointing at pointing at Frank saying, get like looking looking at Dudley, get him, getting him out. <laughs> Amazing. Brilliant. I, I did pick up that Angel said we shouldn't be letting him come into crime scenes going forward. Covid goes to leave and Stacey and Jeff are there. This is where I got so confused. But they're there to obviously pursue track three. They got the name of the person who called to make a deal with Kovic. Light of Rose's hair is on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's the most bizarre thing of the entire episode for me. And it must mean That's something. Weird. But why did why was her hair shaved? Is that a clue? Is that something that will but come back? It. Yeah, and we, we hear about more of that later, don't we? We hear the voice recorded and you can hear the buzzing. But why? Why would you want to shave her head? That's what I think. Yeah. I, I don't know. Do not know. Unless it's for her to look like someone. So Katie and Angel find the best clue that we have seen so far is where someone snagged themselves in the doorframe. They also find a three fifty seven casing. Which matches with the other guns used. Yeah, so you've got the same calibre of bullet in different crime scenes now. They picked up a puzzle piece with Frank's initials because it said 2FK. So you assume that's to Frank Kovic. The last person who Lighter called... Is, um, is Rusty Crandall. Reverend Rusty Crandall. And I say it every week, but I think I've got a bit of a Rusty Crandall. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm a child. <laughs> he confirms that Lighter rang him yesterday morning to discuss the bake sale. Obviously, we then find out about the um, message. Much later, back at HQ, Rusty Crandall and Mary Elizabeth turn up and the Reverend has the tape from the answering machine that he gives them. The group talk separately and they say that Mary Elizabeth has taken Abby's place in the church doing the flowers. She's creeping around, pretending to be Abby in other yep. circles now. Last night, you logged in some evidence, the tape from the Reverend's answering machine. 
answer phone message basically plays out light as attack and captures her hair being shaved and two bullets being fired. Stacy here is quite vivid. Yeah, like he's maybe he's stabbing into her head and digging out the hair. And... She's getting proper into the head shaping. <laughs> it's like, how can you tell that just from an answer phone message? So they then say, oh, we now know the time of Lyta's death. Obviously, it's been captured as part of the message. Back to the something that was recovered from the crime scene then. The puzzle with Frank's initials. It looks like it's one of those slidey puzzles where you have to make the picture, but it's actually got numbers on. The message on the puzzle piece said, 2FK, you make all the pieces fit. Love me. Now, it is M, capital M, little E, but what if that was just a, where they carved it, it was incorrect. That's Mary Elizabeth. And that's Mary Elizabeth. They decide or determine that the puzzle had blood on it and there was a a void in the carpet, so the blood must have hit the puzzle. Therefore, the puzzle must have been there at the time of the murder. It couldn't have fallen out of Frank's pocket when he was taking photographs. And the clothing caught in the door is embroidered with black leather. And the question at the time is whether or not it could be a piece of Lambert's jacket. Yeah, which is blatantly Lambert's jacket because they they jump on that quite early, don't they? Blatantly, and that obviously leads to... um, They go back to HQ and discuss what they've got to do next. Turns out the Reverend is invited. This is great. So when they're back there, they say, oh, the Reverend has invited you all to the casino at $2. So the $2 bill place is having a casino night. I just found that really weird. I know he's called Rusty Crandall and he wears sunglasses to funerals. But, oh yeah, come to a strip club to a casino night. What is that all about? They suggest that Lambert is likely to be there so you can pursue him and get a match on his jacket. So to set track two up... So happy that Alan Alan got chosen 100%. Like, of all the people that we could have wished to go there... Had to be Alan. So the $2 bill stamped with Grady Main found in Abby's car. Turns out to be a town across the water. The, the track is that they've got to go to $2 bills, the club, and look for any connection with Abby's stolen car. They do comment and say we've got no police jurisdiction in Grady. Try to find a connection between Abby's stolen car and $2 bills. We have no police jurisdiction in Grady. So we're going to have to go over there kind of undercover. On the way to Grady, Maine, Alan and Kristen need to get a boat and they approach Thibodeau, who runs the ferry, um, which which is amazing. His first retort, I didn't kill like a rose. And I, again, I've just put, Alan just plays at cooling, manages to get the lift. They've obviously been told to go to Thibodeau and ask him. So Alan says, I've heard this is the only ferry out of town. Pluck that out there, yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely brilliant. We find out that Alan is wearing a wire for this segment, which is one of the... Funniest. Leads yep. to one of the funniest things. That is some old school technology. I've put a scary technology. Now, I don't know if what Kristen says exactly, but it, it blows Kristen's mind that there's a camera that size. You're going to be undercover so we can uh, keep a monitor on you. Well, you not tell me that camera can see right through the pocket in his shirt. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Did you pick up on that it was broad daylight when they went to the club? Yeah, it was broad broad daylight, but did you... Like, Alan is so so charismatic that when they got off the boat and walked up the steps, he's trying to talk to the bouncer to let them in, although the bouncer knows to let them in. (laughs) Because he's living it. He's literally living it. He's like, I'm going to have to persuade my way to get into this strip club. No, the the bloke's opening the door for you. He knows why you're there. He 100% wasn't ready for that to be a strip club because nothing said it was going to be a strip club. Not only that, when he was doing the voiceover, he's like, I've never been to a strip club and I wasn't exactly prepared. And you could tell that it was... 
Fantastic. Yeah, bless him. He was so he was so naive and innocent, yet he was so up for it at the same time. When obviously Mary Elizabeth comes out on stage and you've never seen him so excited and he's telling Kristen to give me two dollar bills. And then as he gets them, all you can hear him say is yes sir, yes sir. <laughs> There's a point where he stands up and he's got a two dollar bill in each hand and he looks like it's his fucking birthday. It's brilliant. The music is like some mad rock music that they've clearly just got some free... They've gone on to... Copyright free hip-hop rock. <laughs> right, let's just pick the worst one. It's horrendous. And then we get to the point Alan continues to ply the girls with two dollar bills and they surround him. Mary Elizabeth said that she wants to talk to him as she recognises him, she confesses to Kristen and Alan that she drove Abby's car into the ocean. I have a little bit of a confession to make to both of you guys, okay? You know Abby's car? I was actually the one who dumped it into the ocean. I did it for Jimmy. You know, I did it for a friendship. He literally was begging me to hide the car. We kind of guessed that anyway, the fact that she went missing the night before. Yeah, yeah but she's telling us that Jimmy told her to. The bouncers come over. Uh, honestly, I've got to play. I've got to find. I've got to. With a very bad voiceover. The voiceover. Oh my god. Awful banks of voiceover. I've wrote down. What's going on here? You all right, honey? Alan and Kristen are told that the boss wants to see them, and they get taken out the back. The reveal when Lambert spins his chair. We obviously see his face, and when he spins his chair, we find out William Lambert is the boss of the club. He knows that they're mic'd. Straight away, he jumps on it. Oh, James Bond esque, that is. Kristen then delivers. I, I'm going to interject here, and the response from Lambert. No, wait, wait, wait. Do you no, think sir. I killed Lida? No, 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 I'm sorry. Let me go ahead and interject here. I got a phone no, call. No, you don't interject nothing. We got to I, I said. Just shag at it. Okay. My, my favourite part of the episode. My favourite part of the episode. Up. It's brilliant. And she is really yeah. pissed off. I love that bit. I absolutely love that bit. Lambert tells a story about how he was born to a 15-year-old single mother who was forced out of town by Lighter. Do I hold a grudge? Yes. Do I want a land? Yes. But I wouldn't kill her. Oh. So he's definitely got motive. Did you notice, though, when they leave, Lambert is picking up the phone? Yes, I've put, who's Lambert calling? Yeah. Is he, is he answering to a higher power? And I've put, see Lambert picking up the phone. My theory is that multiple people could be involved. A bit like hot fuzz. How can this be for the greater good? The greater good. Shut it! What if it's a consortium of people that are working together to make the town the greater good type thing? Kristen storm she storms out, she's pissed off. She says that William is now a prime suspect. Comes back fuming to HQ. Alan is absolutely in his element. But then Kristen says, Okay, brain surgeons, he has a camera in his pocket and he has to be erect at all times. Quote of the episode for me. She tells the story of what happened at the club as we've just seen it. She does that rather well, to be fair. She just sums up what we've just seen. She does. She's a very good storyteller. She is. She's a very good storyteller. We next see Alan reliving the moments with the lads and tells them to give Lambert a standing ovation when he shuts Kristen down. And they do. They stand up and applaud. Lambert when they're re-watching the video. Kristen continues to be a dickhead. She says that Jeff talks about himself all the time and about how he's a model and he knows out on John. <laughs> yeah, this is it. I've got that down. Where does that come from? So you can say, A, Jeff's a model. B, he knows out on John. Why wouldn't you want to be his friend? 
So the killer clue that Kristen brought back last night, we've spoken about what we thought it was, carrying a dress. It's a tape, or reel of tape, dated from 1971. They watched the footage of a Burns victim who states that his earliest memories was as an eight-year-old in 1941. My earliest memory was in 1941 when I was eight years old. I remember running through a dark hallway filled with smoke. There were flames at my back chasing me. My clothes were on fire, my hair was on fire and there was no escape. He describes the fire of 1941. He got away with burnt clothes and face and a swollen tongue. He fell into the water and later got picked up by a fishing boat 40 miles away. They spoke no English. He didn't see the town of Sunrise again until he was a man. Now his story, his story is quite sad. We'll get into it why, but nobody knows the man, but Frank Kovic put a piece in the paper asking for help. One person replied saying they knew who he was. Track three need to get over to Lighter's crime scene and get Kovic to tell them the name of the burnt man. And we see Kovic at the crime scene. Jeff and Stacey manage to catch up with Kovic, who takes them to the person who recognised the burnt man. And they end up at the Trekkers Motor Lodge. Okay, so before then, I feel quite sad for Frank. He apologises for his car. And I thought, seriously, my heart went out for him. Absolutely. Pop in, Stacey. Right. I'm sorry about this car. Hey, don't worry about it. I don't pay that much. Up here. Frank's actually come out a lot better in this episode than, than he has in others. We find out about the fire in 1941 from Frank, the miracle fire that happened on Founders Day. The reason it's called the miracle fire? No one was killed. No one was killed. Bill Thompson is the man that they meet. He's the person that recognized the photo in the paper. He mentions that the burnt man was unforgettable, not because of his face, but the way he checked out. And then we find out that he checked out by <laughs> killing himself. Holy shit. That's where I found him hanging. Stretched out like a Christmas goose. Yeah, and you can sort of see that from the the framing of the uh, the video because it's well, the video he sends in. His face is one side, and you can see the shower heavily weighted to the left hand side. Jeff asks whether it was ever proven to be a suicide, suggestion of foul play, perhaps. Bill Thompson tells him cops never found out his name. No one ever came and claimed the body. They finished the burn job. Compliments of the state. They're basically saying that he already had a burnt face, but the crematorium finished him off. Holy shit. They, they finished finish the burning. Oh yeah, my. It's 10% burnt. It's awful. Um, awful. It's awful. And then he says, what kind of a family is going to claim a freak like that? Yeah. But Frank gets really upset about that. Frank doesn't like Bill's remarks there, no. No. And then on the way back, so Frank is driving them back home. Frank apologises for getting a bit irate with the motel owner and then continues to mention that he was adopted now it just gets me thinking he's burnt man frank's dad because it was a conversation that had to come up didn't it yeah that means something because otherwise why he's adopted so but why who is the burnt man he's not around he's dead what significance has he got to that town do you know what I mean was did the can like did he burn himself because he didn't burn himself but was that fire on purpose and he found out when he was older because it was an insurance job or you know what I mean or I'd, something? I'd love there to be some sort of story about him to that fire and that he's related to someone yeah absolutely can't wait though because that's that's a really really good story arc they get back to HQ, because this is all still prior to the casino night. They get back to HQ and discuss the 1941 fire and discover that absolutely everything was destroyed. And lead investigator Gary says we need to follow this up with the oldest guy in town, C.R. Flint. Tracks one and two cross over for the casino night. So track one gets sent to the casino night to compare the material on the jacket. Track two gets sent to the casino night 
to find Jimmy and get his side of the story on Abby's car. The gang get dressed up and head to the casino and we see Lambert's jacket has a tear. Blatantly obvious now. Obviously, they've got to try and recover it. Um, we also see Alan getting right in there at the pool table. You've got Sam. There's a lot going on here because you've got Sam Larrabee. She's giving Kovic shit at the roulette table. Since Sam walked into the crime scene, she'd been having night terrors called Parva Nocturnis, which becomes important a bit later yeah. on. Deanna Harris is there. She's the town attorney. We finally meet her. So that's four episodes in. She, I think she's the last person. We didn't really meet Drew very much, but he just turned out to be the club owner. But yeah. this Deanna Harris, she's had no story so far, but she's the attorney. All she's done really is, is tell them about this Parva Nocturnis and that's it. What I find amazing is that they're obviously meant to be looking for Jimmy, Alan's just out on the pool, just chatting up Deanna. And Lambert ends up helping them out. Yeah. Lambert's the one that pulls them through. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, these guys want to wanna see Jimmy. <laughs> so rather than asking about Jimmy, they're just talking about everything else. And it's, it's almost <laughs> like they've gone to, you know, the producers have gone, Lambert, you need to, you need to move him along. <laughs> Tell him where Jimmy is. And with Jimmy too, on this, on this tank casino night, where's Jimmy too? He's in a, a wank room. Yeah, basically. Because he's sat on his own in a secluded area. Watching videos of Abby. Saucy videos as well. It really is. A bit weird, isn't it? I no longer think that Mary Elizabeth is Abby. Completely written that off now. You know where we previously said, oh, people said, oh, they look alike and all this. They're completely different people. Not happening. It's not a prestige. It's, yeah. they are different people. The fire alarm goes. Thinking back on it, I don't, you could probably tell whose hand that is, couldn't you? But I didn't. I mean, I, 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 you could go back and have a look and see whose hand it could be. So before that, we've got Alan gets to talk to Jimmy about Abby's car. Jimmy explains the fight that he and Nate had. Jimmy got pissed off, smashed up the car later that night, trying to get her attention, shouting her name and stuff like that. And then we see a bit of video of that, hoping that someone would come out. It was only when he went up to the house and saw the blood that he freaked out, hid the smashed up car because he knew it would look bad. Right, they do talk about it later on. Whether or not it's reasonable, I like that. I do like that he took the car away because you would, if you got to a crime scene, yep. like regardless of whether or not he should have gone to see if they were alive or dead or whatever, or, or phone the police, that's different. The fact that he's gone in, realised how bad it looks, and now he's taken the car away. Absolutely love that. Why is the car missing? Because I shit myself. Katie is watching Lambert all night and Lambert ends up becoming a trustee for Kingfisher Assets because of CR's health deteriorating. This gives him the green light to build the hotel. Kovic does his own toast. Have, uh, one more toast to make to Bill Lambert. Congratulations, your dream's coming true, Bill. <laughs> gonna build your hotel the inn at Phineas Point. You can expand the airport as you eliminated one more obstacle, LIDA. Basically set Frank saying that you killed her, we know all about it. A fight ensues. And that's when the fire alarm gets pulled. Now, is that to break up the fight? Or is that... I don't know. But it does lead to... It does lead to the amazing point where Kristen actually claims to come up with that idea for getting Lambert's jacket. And I'm sure it probably was her idea. But then Katie takes all the credit. She come up, do you think she came up with it? I think, I think she came up with it. I do. Yeah, I do. I do think she did. Yep. Katie takes the credit and really pisses off Kristen in her face of thunder again. I just, I love it. Because the reason this happens to Kristen, though, is like if she was a friendly person, they'd be like, oh, yeah, Kristen came up with this really good idea. The fact that she's a massive bitch, they're like, you know what? Yeah, I had this great idea. I'm not giving her the credit. 
at the same time, track three is sent to meet up with C.R. Flint. I think this was actually in the daytime, but they show it at the same time to see if there was a connection between the burnt man and the fire of 1941. We now see Jeff and Stacy at the old Kingfisher Cannery where Lambert wants to build his hotel. C.R. Flint sits here to think about his life. X-Ray suggests that C.R.'s memories aren't what they used to be. And that links into the deteriorating health and, you know, why it then becomes apparent that Lambert's become the trustee of the Kingfisher assets. It got burned down in 1941. Not one dead soul, nobody died. The sardine business died though. He didn't want to rebuild, he just wanted the memories. Thought that was a bit odd. I'd rather have a sardine factory. <laughs> We're now back at HQ and we hear a noise which disturbs the entire house. They find the black and red envelopes inside the hot tub. Stacy starts kicking off because the door wasn't locked. They then show, that's obviously that night, and then the next morning, they say, right, surprise, surprise, track one, the jacket matches the snag. Therefore, Lambert's jacket was at lighters. However, so was Frank's puzzle. Clearly, we now have two bits of evidence. I don't know how deep this is going to go. Let's wait and see. Mary Elizabeth's story was backed up by Jimmy. Gary says, do you believe him? Kristen says, yes. If I ran into a murder scene drunk at 3am... I would leg it. Whereas Brian counters that saying, well, he should have checked to see if anyone was okay. Now, I actually understand both sides of the story here. You would want to check and your moral sort of thing says you should go and check. But if you are drunk at a crime scene, then it doesn't look good, does it? Especially when you found a big pool of blood. If that was my girlfriend's house, I would rather find out yep, I... and do something about it. But equally, I get it, if you're pissed out of your head, you've smashed up the car, and now you're phoning the police to say, I smashed up the car, but I didn't do that bit. It, it's awful. Killer question. Can you remember what the killer question was? It was the, um, what does she suffer from, wasn't it? It was the, yeah, what does Parva Nocturnus mean? That was it, and it was the fact that it's night terrors, suffering from night terrors. Yeah, and another really weak suspect disappears. Oh, yeah. I forgot Drew Chambers even existed. Drew Chambers, exactly. He's in one or two episodes just as an extra, and he's no longer a suspect. And if it carries on going this way, then next week it's Deanna Harris. Let's get rid of her. I would be really annoyed now because... The people that we know in detail, we know intimately, are Frank. If she comes into it big time. Exactly. We've got Frank, we've got William Lambert, we've got Mary Elizabeth, Jimmy and Thibodeau. But there are others which we don't have that much. Even Sam Larrabee, I know she found... Um, but they've not investigated them enough. Maybe, look, we've still got four episodes. It could all change. Let's just keep an eye on it. But when it comes to who's going to be eliminated or taken off the suspect yep. list next week... I'm sure it's going to be Deanna Harris. I'll see you around 6 o'clock tonight when we'll play the killer's game. So the group picks Kristen as it was always going to be. Always, 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 always. And stroke a genius by Stacey. Yeah, she, she sort of offers herself up, saying that she can't stand Kristen and she'd rather face the killer than face Kristen. The fact that she makes, or she, the way she says it is, like, either way, I'm no longer going to be with Kristen for the next, you know, either I come back and she's gone, or I'm gone and I don't have to spend another day with her. Yeah. However, Kristen is very much like, oh, I'd happily meet up for a coffee with you in real life. We're, uh, we're quite similar, and I think that's why we clash heads. And it's like, well, Stacey earlier in a, in, a, um, in a recording was like, I wouldn't speak to her in the outside world. I hate her guts. They do, they do mention that Kristen is like a cockroach who keeps coming back. She just won't die. Lifeguard Brian chooses Stacey at her own request. Kristen obviously yeah. voted by the group. Kristen goes to the lighthouse. Stacy goes to the Marine Supply Warehouse. Again, with this bit, it's all another load of grainy footage. But before that, Jeff is brilliant and challenges Kristen. And basically, she's an even bigger dick than she normally is, usually. 
And Jeff then goes, For you, and it really doesn't I wish matter. wish you the best in your life. I truly do. Okay, well, you'll see me back tonight, so you have to live with okay. it. So sorry. God help us. The next bit follows the same format. Didn't take too many notes. Grainy footage. We see Kristen looking at the gravestone or the monument and going, Dutch champs, Dutch champs, D U C H A M P S, <laughs> Dutch champ. Dutch, Dutch amps, D U C H, Dutch amps, D U C H A M P S. Maybe. Maybe, just maybe, that is linked to the burnt man's name. Maybe. Unbelievably, she comes back. What's that, a third time? Third time. And she she comes back. But what I thought was good as well was Angel's speech just before the episode ends. He's very open-minded and he says, tomorrow's a new team. Because obviously Stacey's gone, there's maybe less friction. He basically gives her a second chance or third chance or fourth chance at this point. And to be fair, she could still absolutely win it. She could turn it around now and become really nice. She could. And we might think she was an idiot, but actually she's... She's all yeah. right. Well, even then, you don't even get voted off, do you? You've, you're voted off on a, a coin flip. Yeah. She could just ride her luck She could all the, all way. the way through. She could go at every time and still come back. Absolutely. And then there's 11, 11 suspects and six investigators left. And that's the close of the episode. Poor old Stacey doesn't come back. So, with all that, who's the killer? The killer is... I'm just going to go Sam Larrabee. Nice. I'm going to Sam Larrabee. Like, there's a lot towards Lambert, but I, I still think we're in mid, mid-season. mid mm-hmm. There's a lot more like, to learn. Red Heron territory. The, the episode was geared up to say Lambert is the killer. This episode was purely Lambert yes. is the killer. It's taken the heat away from mm-hmm. Kovic somewhat, and Kovic was, or oh, they geared the episode around him the other day. Mm-hmm. I think, actually, I'm going to stick, or oh, oh, not stick, I, don't, I can't remember who I've said previously, but I think Frank Kovic now is the killer. So you think Kovic's the killer? Yeah. Who are we saying... It's going to win it yep. with the next one? Yeah, next one is who do we think will win? I'm going to go... I'm going to, well, you know who I'm going to say, Alan. Right, I really... Because it's not the who I think, it's who in my heart I want no, to win. No, I, I 100% agree. I want Alan to win. I honestly think Kristen could win it. She's gone three oh, for yeah. three now. She, yeah, she could no, definitely win it. I think in no order, actually... Yeah, no order. Um, Kristen, Alan, Angel, and Katie. I don't think Brian. Or Jeff. And I don't think Jeff. No. Poor Je- Jeff and Brian, I don't think they've got it in them. The other four, I think, might. But again, coin toss, effectively. And what's the other things? Who's going next week? Was that so, another one? Next, who will be cleared next? Who will be Who will be cleared next? And I, Deanna Harris has got to be, because she's a nobody, as Drew Chambers was a nobody. I don't know. She's only just been in it. That's a... Uh, yeah. Oh, true, true. That's true, but all right. Then of the ones that have been in it, who might be cleared? I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a big one. I'm gonna go for a big one. I'm gonna go for Frank. Frank Kovic's gonna get cleared. Oh mate, that would be brilliant if he is. Brilliant. Yeah, and who will be spin it up, spin the shit up like that? Who will be voted off net, or who will? And this is impossible to predict because we haven't seen the episode yet. But who be who, killed? Who will be killed next? Jeff. Or no, let's not say who will be killed. Who will be the That's next? That's only because I'm thinking Jeff and Brian's not. The next two people. I've got a theory on Jeff because I think I think Jeff is the next lifeguard. The reason I think Jeff is the next lifeguard because in the n- next week on Murder in Small Town X, it gave away that the lifeguard might be a man because. It's a man saying something like, we need to come up with a strategy. It sounded like they were in that position of being a lifeguard and it was a man's voice. I, I think it was Jeff's voice. And also, Stacy was working closely with Jeff before, so I think Jeff will be the next lifeguard. So okay. I think Kristen will go again. Right, cool. Go on that premise then. It'll be against Brian. But Jeff, would Jeff vote? 
off Brian or Jeff stick with the man, men and women thing? Will it be two women again? Mm, don't know. It's it is ninety nine two thousand, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's not right, but it could be the way it is. Well, that's a good episode, mate. That's a good episode. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Come and tell us what you think. We're at Presents Jam on Twitter. Join us again next time where we meet a lighthouse keeper, we interview Frank over the murder of Lighter Rose, and we piece together the contents of a shredder. <laughs>